This is the Get Healthy 360 podcast, where we discuss topics related to your physical, mental, psychological, and spiritual health. Your host is Dr. Chris Ferguson, board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and you should consult your primary healthcare provider before making any decisions related to your health. And here's your host, Dr. Chris Ferguson. Oh, one more thing before we start. If you like this episode, please consider rating us five stars. We would really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Welcome to Get Healthy 360. Today, we are honored to have Dr. Monica Verusco Gutierrez. She's an accomplished academic psychiatrist and program and chair of the Department of Rehab Medicine at the Long School of Medicine in UT Health San Antonio. She was previously medical director of the Brain Injury and Stroke Program at TIRR Memorial Hermann Hospital, a top four U.S. News and World Report hospital for rehabilitation. She grew up in South Texas, moved to Houston, earned her undergraduate degree at Rice University, her medical degree at the esteemed Baylor College of Medicine, completed her physical medicine and rehab residency and training at Baylor College of Medicine. Then she moved to San Antonio to lead the Distinguished Department of the Rehabilitation Medicine in 2020. For those who are not familiar with what a program chair is in the world of medicine, it's a really big deal. It put in really simple terms. For those who are physicians or in academics, you'll understand the significance of this. She's very passionate about physiatry, physiatry, which is another term for physical medicine and rehab. So for those without a medical background, you become a doctor and then you specialize into specific fields. So if you need rehabilitation work, if you have a stroke or brain trauma, this is the specialty you need to see. And clearly, if someone is the chair of a department, that's the person you want taking care of you. Today, what we're focusing though on is running and its effect on health. So Dr. Gutierrez, thank you very much for joining us. Yes, you're welcome. And yeah, in the intro, you first said psychiatry, but it is physiatry. Psychiatry. Right, yes. Physiatry. Correct. <laughs> psychiatry and physiatry are two totally separate topics for anyone. That was very my... different. Thank Both you for very excellent professions. <laughs> and for background, for anyone who has excuses about running, meaning you don't have enough money or you don't have enough time or a, a whole host of reasons for not exercising. Um, Dr. Gutierrez, she's a mom. She chairs an entire department. So she's dealing with a very busy job, married, two kids, but she still runs. So running is an excellent exercise for all sorts of health benefits we're, talking, we're going to talk about today. So Dr. Gutierrez, how did you get into running? Let's just jump right in. All right. So thank you again for having me. My running story started when First, when I was a child and, and you kind of had to run and do the thing in PE where you had to do your mile in fifth grade. And I was never good at when we did the short distances, but I was pretty good at when we had to do the miles. So as I grew up in middle school, I liked to do activities. I swam, I ran, and it was never too serious, but I did kind of do the track and field and cross country thing. I was never a star. I was a runner that just, I had to work really hard to be a decent runner. My sister had all the natural talents and I had to put in a lot of hard work. By the time I finished high school, I was pretty tired from the running scene. So I uh, you know, just went to work on my studies, went through undergrad, medical school. During this time, exercise was important to me and I did exercise and do different things. I spent a lot of time in medical school on you know, a stairmaster while trying to study at the same time. 
So just kind of trying to, you know, two birds with one stone and didn't get seriously back into running again until my kids were, till my daughter was in kindergarten, actually. And there were some moms in the school and the moms were class, their kids were classmates with my daughter and they were nice. And they're like, hey, let's go. You run, let's start running together. And so I started running with them on a Saturday morning and the distances would get a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And they said, oh, let's sign up for a half marathon. And okay, let me sign up for a half marathon. And this is me doing it without knowing any serious training plans or knowing, you know, I just kind of went in with, I ran a couple days during the week. I did some cross training. And this was also while being a busy mom and physician, starting out new, seeing patients every day and also having little kids and having my husband wanting to work out some mornings too. And did my first half marathon. I don't know how many years it's been at this point, maybe six years or seven years ago. And uh, and, Did you run the whole thing or did you walk some of it? I ran the whole thing, but I also made the rookie mistake of first race half marathon of going way too fast for my first mile (laughs) and saying like, oh my gosh, that's totally not what close to what I've been running. So then by the end, you're I mean, I'm just barely, you know, trudging it in to finish. And I was able to run the whole time because I had kind of take, done my long runs. And I knew before that I could do 12 miles. If I could do 12 miles, I can do 13.1 miles. Um, but it was just interesting going into it like that. So that was kind of, but my friends didn't realize then, you know, they really got me hooked and that they created a monster. But kind of when I really decided to make the big switch to longer distances, so Again, what I do, physical medicine and rehabilitation, and then my specialty within that specialty is neurorehabilitation, which means I take care of patients who've had severe strokes, brain injuries, neurologic traumas, tumors, anything that affects the brain, autoimmune diseases that affects your nervous system. That is my specialty. And it's wonderful. I just feel like I can give so much to these patients. I work with a team of other physicians and therapists to help make these patients' lives better. And one thing I was noticing was that some of my patients, you know, if I'd say something about running or they, or they talk about running, they were runners before. And, you know, the next, one day, they had a stroke or a tumor was found or something else devastating, an accident that took it all away in a moment. And they really regretted not being able to be runners anymore. And I saw this as an opportunity. Gosh, I should be able to take this opportunity to do that because they make it seem like it's amazing to be able to complete a marathon. And so in my head, I said, I need to do it for my patients. I want to run a marathon in honor of my patients. And that that became my mantra when training for my first marathon. It was move for those who can't. So I had all these patients that were marathoners or had done some amazing athletic endeavors in the past and they couldn't do it anymore. And that was kind of my my motivation to say, okay, I'm going to train for a marathon. And I signed up at this point, I signed up for a running group. Okay. I'm going to be serious about this running thing because, you know, some of us were doctors. We're a little 
we can, you know, put our mind to a goal and we're going to get a little serious and type A about it. So I'm going to sign up for a running group and I'm going to read this book about running a marathon and try to do as best as I can for my first marathon. Now, (laughs) anyone listening to this will think, well, that's great that you run, but I can't run because I have a family or a job or a dog or something. So how do you have any tips? How do you balance your life? Because clearly you have a very busy job running a whole department, let alone all the administrative things that you have to do. Then you have two kids and you have a husband and a house and all these things need taking, uh, taking your time. How do you fit it? How many times do you run and how do you find the time? So I make it a priority. And that's one thing people say, oh, I don't have time. I don't have you know, I can't do it. But if you make it a priority, it's going to happen. And the other thing I do it first thing in the morning, so that it's done. And I do it early in the morning. And that means maybe I don't sleep as many hours as I could sleep. And I don't get to press snooze. But I'm going to try to do it. And sometimes I'd have to run as early as 4.30, in the morning. Lucky, it's starting late is six to start running, <laughs> but usually it's before that early. And the other thing that was nice when I did have a running group is that people were depending on you to meet them at a certain time to start. So you don't want to, you know, that kind of gave you a reason to go out and meet someone and to be there. So it just, it became a priority. It was on my schedule and I was going to do it. The other thing was that like you said, I was busy. I have a busy schedule at this time. My kids are still young. My husband likes working out too. We're not He's not runner as much as I am where he's not going to go do a half marathon or a marathon, but he likes to keep in shape and work out. So we'd have to take turns certain mornings to actually leave the house. So I would get Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he'd get Tuesday, Thursday, and then we'd both get a little bit more time on Saturday since for the most part, we'd probably likely be home unless I was on call or something. And we would do it that way for a while. The other thing we did was, again, even the days that we weren't leaving the house, we had some exercise type machine in the home so we can at least cross train or do something at home on the mornings that we couldn't physically leave. So I was never a runner that could run six, seven days a week. I just didn't have that opportunity, but I would be a runner who can just do what I can given the schedule I was with. And so usually that was maybe three or four days where I could go outside and run and put in the mileage and the workouts. But the, it wasn't like the other days I was just, you know, eating Pop-Tarts and sitting down. I would either do, you know, a yoga class at home or use our, we have a row machine. We used to have an elliptical. Now we have a Peloton bike. So there's something to do on the days that I don't physically go out and go run. Now, what are the health benefits of running? Just exercise in general. This is one of my hashtags that I like to use on social media is exercise is medicine. So you can actually, the benefits from exercise are so great that it can replace maybe some of the more traditional medicines that people take. So if you're doing exercise, it's going to help cardiovascularly, you know, long-term to decrease your blood pressure it will decrease rate your weight. It can decrease uh, insulin resistance. So that way, maybe someone that they lose weight, they get healthy. They can help, you know, their glycemic control. 
and it helps someone who may be diabetic that way. It helps with mood. It helps you know your endorphins and your dopaminergic, serotonergic pathway. So it helps with mental health. Not that I'm saying don't get mental health help if you need it, but you know this is something. There is really such thing as a runner's high, and it helps you know your mood, your well being, how you look, how you feel. It helps on the inside. It there are studies that show that it every mile that you run improves your life expectancy. So I saw an article on Twitter that I retweeted, like, I'm going to live forever, you know, <laughs> maybe not forever, but, um, but there's so many health benefits to running that, though I understand some people may not be able to run, but if you're doing something else, cardiovascular, biking, doing a some kind of aerobic class, there are recommendations that, you know, from... U.S. recommendations, what we should be doing for exercise. And it is at least 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per week. It used to only be 150 minutes, but they increased it um, for moderate intensity exercise. But then they also recommend that you also do weightlifting and resistance training as well. So both things. Now, how would you address someone who, let's say someone's overweight, let's say someone's very overweight, and this is where I think your specialty would come in. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone's very overweight, they are short of breath just walking around their house, and they're Mm -hmm. listening to you say, oh, I'm running half marathons. Obviously, you didn't start there. What would the conversation look like if you're talking to someone like that? They're just very, very deconditioned, overweight, hypertensive, diabetic, but they Mm -hmm. want to change their health status, ideally cut some weight maybe stop taking as many drugs. I've seen, as you have, lots of people come down on the number of drugs they're taking as they lose weight and get healthier. Right, for sure. So making a realistic plan, telling people that it's not going to happen overnight, over, over a week even. It's going to sometimes even take years and years to get to the place where you can maybe see all the gains that you want to see or get to the point where you're doing some very long distance, but know that it's a long-term game and that you can do it. And like I said, I made, you know, a plan going into it. First, it was for fun and finding out, oh, this was something that I like and that I can do. And then there was a little bit more intense planning and training. So, and running is, is wonderful, but for someone that also wants to do it for weight loss and health, you have to look at 360, uh, like your podcast is called. <laughs> so, you know, are they also putting the right nutrients in their body to fuel them so that they can run? Are they drinking enough water? Are they eating a plant-based diet? Are they, or are they eating a lot of junk or eating at the right, wrong time? So, so also looking at what, what's they are putting in their body. Are they, they sleeping an adequate amount so that there's not a lot of inflammation in their system or, you know, if they're overweight, is there, you know, are they snoring and not getting good quality sleep and do they need a sleep study? But, oh, but if they lose weight, they may start sleeping better because they're not snoring. So just looking at all kind of aspects of their life. The other thing is for running, like I said, you need a combination of cardio, but resistance and doing weights as well to help with your bones and to support your ligaments when you start running. Cause it can be a lot of you said, wear and tear on some of the joints and especially for someone heavy, who's heavier. So one thing you'd say if it hurts at that point is to do, maybe start doing something where the weight, where 
there's not much just weight on the joints. So maybe they start biking or swimming or aqua jogging until some of the weight comes off and joints may not hurt so much. And then you can start with, you know, pounding a little bit more outside and doing more of the outside running than doing, than just starting day one, trying to go, you know, run miles and miles. The other thing that I say when someone wants to start running, running is that it's not always easy to go, I'm just going to go run and I know I can do miles and not stop. That's not how it is for anyone. They have programs that are things that are called couch to 5k, which gets someone who isn't a runner and they can listen and it kind of gives you a walk jog program until the person that's over several weeks until they get to a 5k distance. So there's lots of plans and there's lots of ways to get someone to get up to running. And not everyone has to run a marathon. A marathon isn't for everyone. And I run five marathons. I don't know how many more I'm going to be doing, but but I'm going to continue to run and be healthy and exercise. The half marathon distance is very nice. For someone maybe doing a lot of 5Ks or 10Ks is great. You know, everyone's an individual. Everyone has their own goals. I'm not there to judge anyone else. Every mile is a mile done that's for your own benefit. So you, you hit on a lot of topics. Let's start with the food topics. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's go top three foods that you would recommend and then top three foods that you should not eat. As a runner? Or so, as a runner, as, let's go like general health. But if you can narrow it down to running, that'd be great. So it just kind of depends on where you are in your training. I guess I don't know if I would say top three foods as much as I think someone should be having kind of plant-based whole foods. So just eating as much as you can from the, what do they say, like the outsides of the grocery store where you're getting more whole foods and things that are grown and natural versus the stuff in the middle, which is all the artificially made type of foods. So that's one thing that I recommend. I'm not saying like, go everyone be a vegan. I'm not even there myself. I call myself a flexitarian, which is flexible vegetarian. So I try to eat as vegetarian and whole based as possible, but I'm not married to that. And, uh, you know, I'll eat meat maybe once a week, just kind of depends. Also, the other thing, going back to your other question about how I do it all and how can I do all this and be a mom and and work and run and be competitive and be at the top of my work game and lead a department is that it takes a village and that means that I'm not doing it all by myself. I'm not the cook at home and we have family support. My in-laws that stay close to our house in a garage apartment and they help a lot with the kids as well and help a lot with you know food prep and such. So I don't have to do that. And so because I'm not making the food, I can't always dictate that, hey, I don't want to have meat this evening or whatever it might be. So as long as I'm trying to eat more things that are cooked at home and that are plant-based, then that's a big, uh, something I'm a proponent of. The other thing I'm a proponent of is when you are doing weightlifting, resistance training, then you should have some protein within two hours after you do that, because that'll help best for muscle building. So again, protein doesn't have to be like whoa, and take all these like huge loads of protein shakes that, you know, you see the bros in the gym doing. It can just be plant-based or other 
types of protein. Leucine's a big, like a good one for your muscles. So you can see where leucine is in what kind of food, what kind of proteins. And, um, and then it depends on where you are in your training. If I'm training for a marathon, I'm going to need more calories before a long run or before a race. That's when I'll do my carb loading. Um, and so kind of what are the don't foods? I just, you know, and I'm not perfect, but less processed foods. I, I think carbs are good. Carbs are not the enemy. Carbs are fine. Uh, fruits and vegetables are carbs, so those are completely fine. Um, so less processed stuff, less fried. I'm not having fried things. I'm trying to make wise, healthy food choices. All right. So this, here's a question. So zero is really, really bad. Ten is great. It's the best food mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. So can you name three things that you will typically say have for lunch or dinner or uh, yeah, lunch or dinner that you would say, these are good meals that you would for all practical purposes actually eat. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite things that I get to pick up is I have a, a there's a store nearby, a restaurant nearby pickup food and it's a vegan taco salad. So the meat is kind of, you know, ground tofu type thing and so there's that's my protein and then there's the salad and has avocado in it i do have a lot a lot of um (laughs) again sometimes in my travels or in my busyness i just have to pick something up and know that my kids are being fed and taken care of elsewhere but something like i will go to chipotle and get uh they have bowls and you know, make sure I get beans and get the veggies and get the sofritas, which is again, the tofu meat one and then put a lot of veggies on it, you know, lettuce and avocado and such. Those are some of the, some good healthy things that I make. This morning for breakfast, my husband made a quinoa bowl. So it had quinoa, tomatoes, avocado, and two eggs two boiled eggs. And so had that as part of my breakfast, going to have salmon for lunch right now with some veggies on the side. So that's kind of an idea of some of the things that I eat. But being said, that being said, every once in a while, my kids want Chick-fil-A and we'll go to Chick-fil-A. So So there's moderation. There's Uh, moderation, right. I'm not the perfect eater at all times, right. Now, there are other families that will have pizza, regularly for dinner mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. burgers and fries regularly mm-hmm. um, or corn dogs or processed food like that. Um, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on those? What are some of the downsides of those food choices? Okay. So I'm also not, I, my son is the pickiest eater known to man. He's 11. He just has really like his food preferences are very particular. And so it, one of the examples is we're on a family vacation. We're in Paris. We're having like the best brunch you could imagine. And he is like, no, I'm not eating that, that, you know, toasty thing with avocado on it, whatever. You're like, no, he's not going to have it. He's not going to touch anything that, you know, looks like it touch one food touches another. Um, And we had to take him after that brunch to McDonald's to get, you know, a a burger from there, which is totally embarrassing when you're in Paris. But um, so, you know, we just have to make sure that 
if he has those things that we're also putting healthy things. Okay, well, he's willing to eat fruits and he's willing to eat tomatoes and we're going to put that and have him eat that as much as possible too, even if he's, you know, having hamburgers and everything, said everything in moderation. So even if it's one time a week, family night, where it's like burger night or pizza night, if it's one time a week and then the other times of week, you're having healthy food or when you're having pizza night, you're starting with the salad and then having, you know, one or two slices of pizza, then that's a little bit of balance. I'm not, you know, it's about balance, but as long as you're, again, trying to be as plant-based as possible at other times, then that's good. Or can you have a pizza that's veggie, you know, make it with tons of veggies. No one's sitting down eating either half or a whole pizza and that's all they're having for dinner. Right. Ideally. Ideally, right. Um, what about supplements for running? All right. So this is an interesting, controversial topic that I was just having in one of my like master's Facebook groups. So I'm a master athlete once you get to a certain age and compete at, so even around the track for people who are in their you know, 40s, 50s, all the way up to 100-year-olds who are you know, doing races. And someone was asking about what supplements do you take? And some people are really serious and they take these branch chain amino acids and they're taking all these supplements. And as long as you're eating the right things, your body's going to get what it needs to get. And so you're not having to take a lot of supplements. If you are a vegan, then there are some kind of supplement, you know, you need to be on B12. And most people are otherwise are meeting their nutritional needs. But, you know, you could go to a doctor and see, are you anemic? Well, first get that worked up. You know, what's your ferritin? Sometimes if ferritin's low, someone who is a runner might have to take an iron supplement. So for those um, who don't know, what is ferritin? Ferritin is not an internal medicine doctor, but it's something that we can measure in your blood that um, it's also an acute phase reaction. So it's some, what part of your blood system that can be measured and tell you a little bit more about how your body is able to uptake your blood in your system is what that is. So it's another thing that the doctor can check when they're checking your levels, like your you iron, list, your ferritin. Do you have a your, list of um, things that you should look for before you start running? Other than say, other than saying, go to your family practice doctor, get a physical. Are there any specific things that you would want checked just so people are aware of what should be checked before they start an exercise program? I would say start with, you know, making, if you're just starting from scratch and you know, you're probably not healthy in other ways, just go get checked by your doctor. Like we, like you had said, just make sure that cardiovascularly you're going to be okay because still a lot of people you know, may try out running or go exercise and they have an, a cardiac event and arrhythmia. So it is good to get your heart checked out before you start. Otherwise, I'm not really saying like, oh, go make sure you're not anemic and go check your thyroid. And, you know, those things that hopefully if you were checked, if you got your general checkup, then you're getting that like you're supposed to, you know, the doctor can check all your, your counts and your blood pressure and your electrolytes just to start. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend per se anything out of the ordinary. Um, but yeah, go to your doctor and get checked out, especially if you haven't done, be done it before. Any specific things that you recommend or that you do uh, for injury uh, prevention when you're running? So I feel that 
So I've had all sorts of injuries just being a runner and (laughs) running at an intense level. And so that means, you know, I've had my slew of things that I've been through and lots of times in physical therapy or seeing my physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor about my issues. Um, and I've been in a boot and I've been in a scooter and all sorts of injuries. But I would say one of some things that are great is I say, okay, yoga is the yin to my running yang. So where running is going to kind of get you tight and get you strong, then yoga, it also is very strengthening, but it's going to kind of help lengthen and stretch out those things that may get a little tight and get a little uh, wonky for the is the best word I can think of right now. So, you know, me doing, oh, I've been not, truth be told, I've not been good about doing my yoga recently that, you know, all the gyms have been closed, but but it's nice to be able to do that because it's going to stretch out your hamstrings. It's going to stretch out your IT band. It's going to, you know, help keep you flexible when you can get really, really tight from running. So that's one good thing to do. I have sometimes have told people that, you know, if they want to, the other thing that's really good about is strengthening, make sure that you're doing strengthening as well, because you need your muscles to be able to support your joints and your tendons. Because once you start running, you might, people will start, oh, my feet hurt, my ankles hurt, my shins splints hurt, my knees are hurting. And some of that can be respond to you doing strength training. So maybe at the same time that you pick up running, you're working short term with a physical therapist or with a trainer to kind of work on strengthening some of the main muscles that you're going to need for running as well. So I think strengthening yoga go well with running. Running, you said there are lots of, you can get injuries with any sort of physical activity, you can get injuries. Do you want to discuss some of the most common injuries and how you would treat them for runners? Sure. I can kind of talk through some of the basics of them. Like I said, in physical medicine rehab or physiatry, there's lots of different subspecialists in that. So some are pain doctors like you. I do neurorehabilitation. There's some that do musculoskeletal medicine and treat these injuries, but I can, but we get training and kind of all of it when we do our residency program. So as far as running, there's you know, you think you're most, yes, you're using your legs, you're using your body to do it. So a lot of the injuries are going to be focused in the legs. So there's things like knee pain. There's something called runner's knee. And that's something that is usually has to do with, again, imbalances in the way things are lined up, weakness. And this, the a lot of how you treat that is with Again, physical therapy programs, strengthening, stretching certain things out. So that's for runner's knee. There are other sorts of knee injuries that you can get. Uh, There's your, on your side of your leg from, you have your IT band. That's another thing that some runners get IT band problems. And this is a long fascial tissue that starts kind of from your hip and gluteal muscles and goes all the way down to the outside part of your knee. And so that can hurt any, in a runner, it can hurt anywhere from, are you having this upper uh, glute, uh, lower back pain to 
on the side of your leg to even below your knee where it finally attaches. And that can be helped with different things as well. Sometimes it's stopping running. I had ITB problems for a while. And anytime I ran over three miles, it would start hurting. And so I had to work on strengthening my glute muscles. So work on kind of a physical therapy program doing that and worked on yoga to stretch some things out. Some people get injections for it, but that's going out of favor and it's really controversial. Steroids are getting, steroid injections are getting a lot more controversial now um, as more and more data starts coming out. So, and I think a lot of stuff can be treated with cross-training, strengthening, um, working on your form. So that's something that can, then foot and ankle, there's all sorts of foot and ankle things that can happen. You can, uh, you know, anything from, do you sprain your ankle to you have all these different tendons that are starting up below your knee and that goes into your foot and those can all get injured as well. There's shin splints, which happens on, you know, the front part of your your leg. And again, that's also, you have to look at how's your footwear, how's, this, how's your strength. Um, and yeah, you have to realize you really have to strengthen things to get strong enough. You can have Achilles problems. That's, you know, the tendon that's behind your heel and that goes up and forms into your calves. And really one of the best things also to treat that is strengthening. So, but I do recommend if you're feeling aches and pains, so don't run on it, don't make it worse and see your physician for it. So it sounds like the, the, the yoga, what that helps with is really lengthening and giving you increased range of motion, but then the strength is really what helps prevent injuries because you're, you have stronger muscles, ligaments, and tendons to support the running. So the combination is a good, is a good way to proceed. Yes, for sure. Any closing thoughts of what people should know about running? I think running is amazing. It is just part of, but it's not the end all. Not everyone has to be a runner, but if you want to be a runner, you're going to have to start slow and start with low mileages that you're not going to become a marathoner overnight, that it takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication to it and that you can do it. That, like you said, it's an expensive thing, inexpensive thing, though. If you ask my husband, he probably would say, it's become an expensive thing when I want to go, Hey, I'm, let's, I'm going to run the Boston marathon again. Hey, I'm going to run the New York marathon, <laughs> but um, it can be otherwise, you know, you can just get a, get a good pair of shoes, you know, had them fitted for your type of foot, strengthen, and um, it can change your life. You have to qualify for the Boston marathon, correct? You do. Yeah. How is it running the Boston marathon? It is amazing it's uh, probably my favorite marathon well i love houston because i'm been in houston for so long but i have a quick boston marathon story so i went twice i qualified for boston running my first marathon so i was very you know seriously training and did very well in my first marathon which was houston and the weather was perfect and qualified for boston didn't run boston for another almost year and 
three months because you even when you qualify, you have to wait until you do it. And so my first one was in 2017 and I had trained so hard for it and it is amazing. There are just so many people that are out there cheering you on like rows and rows of people for 26.2 miles and they're there to support you. And it was just a hot day when I ran it. Um, and so, you know, went out really made my rookie mistake again, probably went out a little too fast for not adjusting to the heat conditions. That's the other thing. Listen to your surroundings and to the weather and, um, and then really bonked at the end. So it was just, it was horrible when just the last six miles was just like death. And I just kept moving forward using mantras. That's the other thing. When you get to that point, you have to find some mantras to help you get through mentally after you hit the wall. And so I got through and I finished and I, it really affected me as far as, you know, I was totally dehydrated, peeing blood. I mean, it was just really bad on my body. I know you're a doctor and a program chair and all sorts of fanciness, but that's probably not good. Right. Yes, that's not the good. That's probably a bad, bad thing. Bad thing. Yes, bad thing. That means I was definitely not hydrated and differently was, uh, had some, you know, muscle exertion and such muscle, really bad muscle breakdown and did not hydrate enough. And so I said, okay, I want to make a comeback. It's going to be better next time. But it's a, also a really hard course. They do have one of the hills is called Heartbreak Hill because that's where it is. It just really breaks your heart and your soul and your legs and everything else. But, um, and so I was, even though it was not my best race, I still requalified to go the next year. Well, the next year, I before that, I tore my plantar fascia. And so I was not able to run the Boston Marathon. It was really like devastating that I can run the Boston Marathon, but there was no way I could run it on a torn plantar fascia. And that's when I had a boot and I had PRP injections and I had to just do aqua jogging and I couldn't do anything weight bearing on that side. So that was a tough year of coming back. So by the time the next Boston came, I had had done another marathon before I had tore my plantar fascia. So I had already had another qualifying time to go in 2019. And so I went back to 2019 to Boston with different mindset, just be grateful that I can run, move for those that can't. Again, thinking about my patients, they help me get through races. I can, I pray for them. I think about them. And in 2019 went back and with a different mindset of just, you know, getting out there and having fun. And it was a little bit warm that it was warm that year too, but I took it slower at the beginning I took the crowd in. I got high fives from everyone. I took, you know, people are on the side and they're cheering for you and they're offering you, you know, ice and a popsicle and a, an orange slice. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll take all this. Look, this is just, you know, more fuel for me. And it, it was still hard and it was still hot. And I probably only died towards the last two miles. And on this one, I actually did walk a little bit. This was like, I'm doing this for fun. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to be pee blood again. You know, I'm just here to conquer this. And I did. And it was a wonderful experience. And I had friends that I was running with or that I had trained with who we all kind of finished around the same time. So it was like amazing to see them at the finish line. 
And it was only three minutes slower than my one that I had done before. <laughs> so, um, and a hundred times better experience. Um, so I just feel that I was super blessed to be able to run these marathons and do what I do and be able to, you know, qualify and, and have that experience. It's a great marathon to run and people that are around and New York's another one where there's everyone in New York city comes out to cheer the people on. There's tons of other people running, um, just amazing experiences. Thank you for sharing that story. You're welcome. So to summarize, we talked about running health benefits, how it can help you lose weight, use less medication, injury prevention, and I guess running probably starts with the first step. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you have to start with a step. Start with the first step. So think and get a physical before you start. So Dr. And get a physical. Yes. So Dr. Gutierrez, thank you so much for taking the time for this podcast. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a comment on the Get Healthy 360 Facebook page and consider subscribing to this podcast. Thanks.